Around and around and around we go on this 333rd installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Where will we stop? In about 17 minutes if you're listening to the podcast. And if you're reading it, that would depend on your pace, I suppose. Either way, this is February 17th, 2022, and this indeed is one-third of the way to a thousand editions of this program. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and I hope to be here for all three of the years it may take to get there. On today's program, an update on former city manager Teron Richardson's lawsuit against the Charlottesville City Council. The Thomas Jefferson Planning District is working on two major housing initiatives and a roundup of what's happening in Thomas Jefferson Planning District communities. And a closed-door group gets an early look at the University of Virginia's master plan. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, the Charlottesville Area Tree Stewards continues to offer classes this winter and spring to increase your awareness of our Witten neighbors and to prepare for the future. The next event is February 22nd at 7 p.m. when Tree Steward Emily Ferguson will help you look beyond the monotonous winter forest by focusing on the finer details that will help you differentiate between different species of trees. Learn more at charlottesvilleareatreestewards.org. And in the second shout-out today, there's still a longtime supporter who wants you to know, today is a great day to spread good cheer. Reach out to an old friend, compliment a stranger, or pause for a moment of gratitude to savor a delight. Both sides in a federal lawsuit filed by a former city manager against Charlottesville City Council have filed extensions, requesting more time to file the next round of legal responses. Dr. Teron Richardson sued Charlottesville City Council and several individuals by name in the Western District of Virginia last November, alleging that the city had denied his First Amendment rights by not allowing an op-ed to be published in the Daily Progress months after his resignation in September of 2020. In addition to counsel, former city attorney John Blair, current city attorney Lisa Robertson, former city councilor Heather Hill, and former mayor Nakia Walker are all named in the suit. Before resigning, Richardson had signed a release and waiver governing his $205,000 in severance that included a mutual non-disparagement clause. On January 26th, an attorney for Lisa Robertson filed a motion asking for the suit against her to be thrown out. Here's a section from that motion. The complaint does not state a claim against Robertson, as she did not personally deprive plaintiff of his First Amendment rights. Plaintiff waived his claims against the city, as well as its employees and officials, by signing the release. The motion also states Robertson has qualified immunity and cannot be sued as a private individual. It goes on to refute Richardson's claim that his publication of the op-ed was stopped by Robertson. Instead, the motion states the city attorney warned Richardson's counsel twice in February of 2021 that the city could pursue action if he broke the non-disparagement clause. On February 8th, Richardson's attorneys filed a motion requesting more time to respond to Robertson's request to be dismissed, a request granted by Judge Norman K. Moon on February 11th. Charlottesville has hired Richard Milner to represent the city, and he filed a motion on January 20th, requesting more time to respond to the initial complaint. 
On February 11th, Milner asked to have until February 28th to respond, and Judge Moon granted that extension. Yesterday, the suit turned 90 days old, which triggered a notice to Richardson's attorney that summons have not yet been served to Heather Hill, Nakia Walker, John Blair, or Robertson. Only the city of Charlottesville has received a summons. A regularly scheduled closed-door meeting of planners from Albemarle, Charlottesville, and the University of Virginia is scheduled for tomorrow, and materials are now available from the last meeting. The Land Use Environmental and Planning Committee, or LUPEC, was created after November 2019, when the Public Planning and Coordination Council, which consisted of elected officials, was disbanded. The new group also consists of officials from the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority. In January, the group got two briefings from the University of Virginia's Office of the Architect. One was an update on the UVA Grounds Framework Plan, which is a master plan for UVA. The public Charlottesville-Albemarle Metropolitan Planning Organization got the same presentation a week later. The second presentation was a four-slide review of the three sites the University of Virginia has selected as locations for up to 1,500 affordable housing units that would be built in partnership with a private developer. These are at the North Fork Discovery Park, Wortland Street, and the Piedmont site on Fontaine Avenue. Of those three, a rezoning application has been filed with Albemarle County for the North Fork site. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for a third Patreon-fueled shout-out. Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects such as an expungement project with the Legal Aid Justice Center, a map of Charlottesville streetlights, and the Charlottesville Housing Hub. Visit codeforseville.org to learn about those projects. And in a fourth Patreon-fueled shout-out, I am told that Lonnie Murray is working with Code for Charlottesville on a Piedmont Native Plants database. There will be more information on that in a future shout-out. Thanks to all who are supporting this program. To conclude the show today, let's return to the February 10th meeting of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission. Let's start off with a couple of staff reports. The TJPDC will work with a nonprofit partner to help prevent evictions through a pilot program with funding from the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development. Here's Executive Director Christine Jacobs. It's $250,000 that is City of Charlottesville and Albemarle County. That grant, actually, we will have a sub-recipient, and that will be Piedmont Housing Alliance, and that will allow them to hire an eviction prevention case manager, as well as a landlord outreach manager, which was what we requested in the grant application. Last year, the City of Charlottesville used $300,000 from the American Rescue Plan Act funding to pay Legal Aid Justice Center to also work in the area of eviction prevention. Jacobs said the TJPDC used that funding as a local match to secure the DHCD grant. The TJPDC is also administering a $2 million grant from Virginia Housing to actually construct units. Jacobs said requests for proposals have been received, and there are three entities that have been selected to proceed. 
we will then have it, those three priority applicants submit their formal application with all of their documentation. And then a review panel will look at the feasibility of the project. Jacob said the TJPDC commissioners will be shown a recommendation at their meeting in April. Last year, the TJPDC completed a regional housing plan, which has chapters for each of the six jurisdictions. Keith Smith represents Fluvanna County on the TJPDC board. We're starting our comp plan process, and it looks like we're going to be leaning pretty heavily on the work that the Regional Housing Partnership has done. Green County Supervisor Dale Herring said his locality continues its separation from the Rapidan Service Authority. That entity did not want to proceed with Green's vision to create a new reservoir for an urban water supply plan. For those who don't know, we'll stay with it until we actually own our own water authority. Green County has recently created its own emergency medical services department and has offered to pay for full-time firefighters. However, there could be an issue. We have one fire department that has asked originally for four staff members. They came back and asked for seven. Herring said the county continues to hope to supplement fire service with volunteers, but numbers are dwindling. The TJPDC meetings are also an opportunity for the urban communities to brief the rural ones on trends that may affect them in the future. City Councilor Michael Payne shared information about the fundamentals that are informing the creation of the budget for next fiscal year. We got our assessment increases, average assessments in the city were up 11%, and we've gotten our first draft of, well, not the first formal draft, but beginning budget discussions and to afford everything currently in our budget. On top of that 11% assessment increase would require a 10 cent real estate tax increase. The major driver is the renovations to Buford Middle School as a major plank in school reconfiguration, as well as a $10 million a year commitment to affordable housing projects. So we are going to have to have some uh, some difficult, honest and realistic conversations over the coming weeks about how to get our, our, our budget working. Another difficult conversation will be had when the public process related to the upgrade of the city's zoning code begins later this year. Planning Commission Chair Lyle Sola-Yates is a new member of the TJPDC, and he said Roadside and Harwell and internal city staff are working on a review. Uh, they're doing a sort of a analysis of what we've got versus what our comp plan says we need. I'm going to say they're different. It's going to be a big project. It will be difficult. Uh, we should have, uh, I, I think I'm recalling initial assessment mid-April, and then once we have that, we're going into public process and People will share their thoughts and feelings about zoning, which is always a good thing. Nelson County faces a lot of changes and challenges, according to Jesse Rutherford. He's chair of both the Nelson Board of Supervisors as well as the TJPDC. A comprehensive plan review is soon to get underway. And trying to figure out how it is that we can thrive as a community, and which leads into the bigger thing, which is even more important than the comprehensive plan, is zoning. You know, how do you define things and rezoning? You know, I think affordable housing has to be radically looked at and radically approached as opposed to, you know, pandered by the respective uh, demographics in power. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's about making sure everybody in every uh, income bracket has a place to live. Rutherford said Nelson has many more people who are opting to work from home, and the county's pledge for universal broadband by 2024 could accelerate that trend. And we're starting to see... Uh, a change in the conversation of 
what does the future of a rural county look like? Obviously preserving rural is such an interesting thing. You know, is it preserving trees? Is it water? Maybe it's that. For some people, it's culture. That housing plan also has information for Nelson County. The Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission next meets on March 3rd. Staying regional to conclude this installment of the program, the Louisa County Board of Supervisors got an update this Monday on the efforts of the James River Water Authority to secure a final permit to proceed with a plan to build a water line between the James and Zion Crossroads for an urban water supply. One site for an intake is seriously contested by the Monacan Indian Nation because it's on a major historical site called Rossowek. Archaeological work has been conducted on a nearby site. Here's Louisa County Administrator Christian Goodwin. A GAI, who is the uh, authority's current archaeology consultant, is very close to finalizing a Phase 1 archaeology report on Alternative 1C. And they are doing that in conjunction uh, with Gray and Pape, where the Monacans uh, selected archaeologists. So that's a good team effort, and that report is finished. If the Monacans agree, the James River Water Authority will apply for a permit for that location from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, as well as the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality. The attorney for the Monacan Indian Nation attended last week's JRWA meeting um, and voiced her uh, the Monacans' uh, intent to continue supporting the project if the conditions are met, and those conditions being that uh, we worked with their archaeologist, Gray and Pape, and that no evidence of burials were found, and that appears to be the route we're proceeding along right now. The James River Water Authority is next scheduled to meet on March 9th. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thanks again for listening. And uh, let me know if anything in here is something you'd like to know more about. You can always drop me a line or you can leave a comment in the newsletter. Uh, I'm very much interested in getting as much information out there as I can. This, of course, is episode 333. That might not seem like a big deal, and maybe it isn't. They're just numbers, but it certainly is something that I have grown accustomed to do, and I have grown accustomed to um, really doing this for you guys and for myself. Very much enjoy it. And of course, you guys are beginning to seriously support it. It looks like this pathway is sustainable, and I certainly am hoping I can still be here when it comes time to hit number 1,000. But that's a long way off. There's lots of decisions to be made between now and then. And of course, I the next decision is, am I going to put out another show tomorrow or will it wait until Saturday? Um, actually, I know the answer. It's going to wait until Saturday, I think. Um, but of course, it might not. Sometimes I really need to get one out quickly. I've grown accustomed to bringing you this information, and I am really excited to know that there are supporters who are paying. If you would like to become one of those people, please visit infoseville.com and click on the support the info button and you will see a list of things that you can do of course one of them is to uh, sign up for a subscription on substack that is probably the most efficient way but of course there's also patreon which uh, is where i communicate with you more about the overall um, mission of town crier productions and what i'm trying to do to try to implement it thanks for listening please in the next couple days it's supposed to be a little windy so please stay tied down to the ground And thank you very much for listening and goodbye.